You are listening to Catalyst Talks, conversations with change agents, outliers, superheroes, and truly conscious leaders modeling what it is to be an unstoppable force for good in this world. What lit these catalysts on fire to do their work, and what nuggets of wisdom can they share with the world literally on fire? The whole idea of Catalyst Talks and these conversations is to understand how these leaders have approached being on the leading edge of their truth, how did they uncover their purpose, and what does it really take to catalyze change and at scale? I'm your host, Stephanie Traeger. I'm a consciousness catalyst and soul coach to superstar change agents in business, leadership, and life. On this podcast, I wear an eclectic mix of hats, including earthkeeper, healer, coach, lawyer, business, and higher purpose strategist. My intention is holding space for higher purpose, peak wellness, and soul mastery so we can live in harmony with ourselves, each other, and nature. I'm so excited for this conversation with Oren Harris. You guys are going to love it. He is a friend of mine who is a pioneer on the leading edge of human consciousness. He's a spiritual teacher and a transformational coach. He is the model of what it is to live a limitless life of freedom, contribution, and fulfillment. He is a highly sought after leading expert on flow and how to access these peak performance states of consciousness known for inherent ease, power, grace, and next level of being. I love this conversation for so many reasons. We do get into it towards the end. So stay tuned till the end, please. And if you would like to reach out to Oren, all of his contact information is in the show notes. And you can also reach out to us if you have any feedback on this show. We welcome feedback. We'd love to hear what's landing, what's not, what you like, what you didn't like. And if you could rate the show, that would even be awesomer. And please subscribe so you can find all this information out at catalysttalks.com. If you would like to send me a note, you can go to stephanietrager.com. And if you are feeling a resonance here, if there's any way I can support you on your journey, do reach out at stephanietrager.com. All right. Welcome back to Catalyst Talks podcast. I'm so excited to finally have my guest, Oren Harris, on the show. I've been chasing him down for quite a bit already, all the way to the island of Kauai. And grateful you're here with me, Oren. So I love to open up with this uh, very shallow question of what does it mean for you to come home to who you really are so you can do the work you're really here to do? You tricked me when you said shallow question. (laughs) (laughs) To me, coming home to who you really are is like a remembrance of who we are in our heart, who we are in spirit, essentially who we are beyond our conditioning and the conditioning and the beliefs and ideas and perspectives and challenges that have kind of that we've defined ourselves by consciously or unconsciously coming home to who we are is if you look at it as a process, then it would be like peeling back the layers of an onion, right? That's coming home to our soul, coming home to our heart. And it's in that space that we're connected to source, God, the infinite, the creator. And through that channel, our unique contribution, our unique gifts, our unique genius is in its purest state. And anything that comes through that channel is you could say our unique contribution. It's our medicine to the world, uh, both in its expression and in its form, whatever form that may take, but also just in the the frequency, you know, the, the frequency of our own soul, our home frequency carries our unique, I guess you could say, transmission to the world. And then then there's our gifts that we have and whatever form that we're expressing that in. So that's what it means to me to come home to ourselves and and give what we're what we're designed to give. I've been enjoying your videos and your sharing. You're you're just an open um, portal for sharing a flow of consciousness that I see kind of on a daily basis. And it's, oh, the, the O show, I think you call it, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a watcher. I'm a watcher. <laughs> and, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, that's why I was like, I'd love to get into this conversation. What am I here to do? I'm here to awaken consciousness on the planet so we can live in harmony with ourselves, each other, and nature. And, you know, that for me, I see you as a consciousness awakener. And every mm-hmm. time you share this energy that you transmit, around like permission, you know, you Mm. invite people to permit with permission. It's just how you show up. So yeah. What is that? What is a life for you in that? And and what does that actually, what does that actually mean to you? Like being, being a permission slip? Well, it's, you know, tying it into what I was saying about coming home to ourselves. It's like, what would we be doing? What would we be saying if we were not 
living in fear, if we were not living on within our own constraints or things that we've imposed upon ourselves or things we've absorbed, like we, there's things we would naturally be doing. There's natural states of being that exist, like that might look like personality traits in the world, but they might just be natural. Like for example, you know, think about nature. I'm out here in nature and beautiful Kauai, it's stunning. And like nature is very still, but nature is also very wild. It's, it's kind of unpredictable in a sense, right? So are humans in our natural state. And so I, I feel like one of my permission slips is not like this is my intention per se, but I have a diverse expression, you know what I mean? I um, mentor, coach, teacher, artist, the dancer, I freestyle. I, and, and I feel like that's a permission slip for us to be more of an expression, a full spectrum expression of who we are and to, you know, kind of uncompartmentalize our lives as well. We, we create these divisions in our lives based upon divisions we have inside of ourselves, parts of ourselves that might be in, you know, not completely in harmony. So we said, you know, I've got my my business side, my spiritual side, my adventure side, my sexy side, my shy side, my this side, 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 all these sides. And part of awakening and part of coming home to ourselves is coming into greater harmony and unity within these different sides of ourselves and how that looks in an outward expression or not even how it looks, how it feels is like we are just, you know, in, in, an infinite being. We are divine beings. And yes, we have a a soul structure. And then within that, or we shape a personality structure. And then within that, you know, has the unique expression, but it's truly the freedom to be oneself. I mean, to really simplify it. And I do feel like I'm a kind of permission slip, an example of freedom. And that, that inspires me, you know, awakening that in others, you know, both the, I guess you could say self-realization and self-actualization. Self-actualization to me is like living your highest potential, you know, living your best life, giving your greatest contribution. It's like, you know, the realm of like high performance and constant growth and improvement. Self-realization is well, who are you beyond all that, right? Beyond your name, your form, how you define yourself, beyond your conditioning, beyond your personality, beyond, beyond, beyond. Who and what is that that is kind of animating all of this? And so I like to play at the intersection of these, I guess you could say, aspects of our, of our being and to integrate them. That's part of the demonstration. And so I find myself in in scenarios and situations and working with people, bridging things, bringing things together, whether it's, you know, masculine and feminine, intellect and intuition, timelessness and time, flow and structure. There's this camp and this camp or this type of person and this type of person and really bringing more unity. So I don't think about that that much, but as you ask me, you know, about a demonstration, about a permission slip, I do feel like that's one of the things that I naturally demonstrate and that I'm definitely here to awaken in other people and to and to just to help us evolve, right? We're in the information age, but we've already moved on to another age in a sense and we're catching up to it. All right. So we're becoming more fully integrated human beings. And our primary, when I say our, I just mean like the general consensus in the masses is the primary operating system is intellect and mind and knowledge. And that is, you know, a, a big part of our existence and it's, you know, potentially very useful and like we're, 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 we're evolving. <laughs> right. So there's an, an operating system shift that is happening. And I think is necessary for us to continue on into the next age and, and beyond. Yeah. Yeah. You, just going back a little bit, the demonstration that I definitely see you demonstrate that integration. And I love that your permission slip. I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, so what's your story though? You know, I listen to you, you're sharing wisdom and bits and nuggets and downloads and, you know, cosmic galactic, I don't know, <laughs> transmissions all the time. And I'm like, what's your story? When was it not integrated for you, if ever? Yeah. No, I came in integrated. I was like, what's up? <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I mean, I, I've had several deaths and rebirths, I call them sometimes, several awakenings, some of which were, were sp completely like spontaneous, not by 
any conscious orchestration and others that were catalyzed by like the first, when I think about like the biggest ones, I can't, it's not really fair to compare, but at least in my experience, the biggest ones, when I go back to like the only job I've had was teaching and coaching, right? And I taught school and I coached sports for four years. And prior to that, when I was in college, I, I didn't know what, it, what I wanted to do. I didn't, I was, did pretty good in school, but I didn't love school. I didn't really realize or remember how I learned optimally until I got out of school. And so I made it through school, you know, pretty well, did pretty decent. And thankfully, you know, looking back in hindsight, I thank my mom for allowing me to stay curious and not trying to mold my path for me. You know, when I was in, in school and then went into college, I wound up getting my major and moving into teaching and coaching just kind of as an experiment to see if I would like it. So I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, you know, like most people. And that was going really, really well, actually. Like both my, my sports teams won a couple of championships. My classes were going well. I was really enjoying it, but I was, mo I was more so enjoying the connection with the kids. And it was like life school, really, even though I was teaching school and teaching a subject, health. Um, anyway, at some point, the first kind of major catalyst that I remember was I imagine myself at the end of my life, sitting back, reflecting on my life in regret, regret for having not attempted certain things, not said everything I wanted to say, not did, and just feeling that sense of incompleteness and regret. And I felt the deep pain in that. And I was like, okay, well, God willing, I'm not going to get to the end of my life and like be that person going, oh shit, it's too late now, you know? And so I took a leap of faith and stopped teaching and coaching you know, while it was on the upswing, I got into acting, which is one of the things I was just curious about, you know, I kind of had a creative, a creative side entertainer type of just in my essence, I got into that I didn't want to be a starving artist, I'm gonna have to kind of fast forward to these major points, right? So there was the leap of faith that was the first kind of like notable point in my life, defining moment. And then I was teaching or acting, I didn't want to be a starving artist. I wound up starting a business. So then I got into being an entrepreneur, which is something else I was always curious about. And so now I'm acting and I'm, I started a business. It started going pretty well. I met this lady and I had lunch with her and I said, what do you attribute your success to? She was telling me all of these like kind of success principles and great management and employees and focus. And, and she said, but most of all my coach and I had been a sports coach and I'd heard of life coaching, but I didn't really know what it was. And long story short, I went to see this guy and had a session with him, had a breakthrough and started asking questions again, kind of like I did when I got out of teaching and coaching, like a deep reflection. I was like, okay, my business is going pretty good. Acting things started, started jumping off. And I was like, I started really reflecting and like, what am I here to do? What am I really, really, really here to do that like, like only I can do? And this is when I had the first revelation of, I'm kind of like this coach guy. I always have been. People always been drawn to me for guidance in some way. And so I realized that. And so then I decided that I was going to be a coach. Well, in that same period of time, as I had this breakthrough insight, and I felt like I knew myself pretty well at that time, at the same, kind of in the same period of time, I was in a relationship with this woman from Arkansas and her family was not, I laugh every time I say this, or last two times I said this, I was like, her family wasn't overtly racist, but, but it's like, what does that even mean, right? They, they would not have approved of our relationship, right? And, but we were like falling deeper and deeper in love. And then her father passed away and it was like tragic. And so that impacted her greatly. And so when we were getting to the point where we were going to share with her family, then it was like, oh no, we definitely can't now. Like that's not happening anyway. So that started putting strain on the relationship. Then she winds up getting pregnant. And then it was like that, that's where things just went like, really just got bad not even necessarily between us but just like in the relationship it was just impacting the relationship significantly and so in that period of time i had such a strong desire to mend the relationship fix the relationship help us like get 
back to like just feeling empowered and all of these things. And I had such a strong desire and such an, a con, an inability that somewhere in there, there was a breaking point and had a kind of awakening within that. And everything kind of just started becoming more clear to me. And at the same time, this is all happening like in the same period of time, right? I had the revelation about the coaching thing. I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. The relationship challenge and this like awakening. And I, the way I would describe it was like realizing the difference between me and my mind or what I called me, right? Just kind of like that observer, like, okay, wait a minute. These are thoughts that I'm thinking. These are, this is what I'm calling me. This is my experience. But who is it that's looking at that? Who is it? That, how, how am I able to observe myself and this is myself, it can't really be myself. So I had it started having this awakening. And at the same time, I started attracting information and knowledge and somewhat seeking it. I was being taught a lot by life. And that's been, has been, and still is the case. I've been being taught a lot just by life and by my own exploration. Anyway, I came across the power of now. And when Eckhart Tolle was describing his awakening, I was like, oh, he's putting words to what I'm experiencing. Dove down that path of just deep exploration. And I mean, there's so many chapters to this. Then I realized what beliefs were and that they were kind of like software and that whatever it is that I believed up until that point in my life, a lot of it was just assumed, absorbed, adopted, taken for granted that that's just what it is. But I realized in this awakening, I realized the whole entire matrix and structure of belief. And so that was kind of rattling and inspiring eventually, but rattling just meaning like, wow, the things that I believe about myself, about the world, about other people are just ideas. I'm like, which of these are actually mine or that, that do I actually even resonate with? And so that was like a, another awakening from the mind. So as I was awakening beyond the mind, I also saw the mind transparently. And that was mind blowing, no pun intended. Anyway, so these are some of the major catalysts that were happening in my life. And so then as I decided to move into coaching and then eventually got into speaking, which also came from a revelation, I only even tried to speak because a successful coach told me that speaking is a, is a good way to go to, if I wanted to build my coaching practice. And so I went to Toastmasters. They teach you to public speak. Tried that out for a second, you know, wrote my first talk, was acting crazy, running around my apartment, reciting it and didn't know what I was doing. And I, I literally thought to myself, I'm probably not going to do the speaking thing, but I'm going to go do my icebreaker first talk. And it was called, Who Am I? And I, something inside me just, so many things just happened. Like something inside, I say something inside me was just like, okay, I'm not going to go up there and do a good talk or try to do a good talk. And I was like, dear God, I give this talk to you. I give this to the space inside myself that I'm most authentically myself. That's my goal. That's it. And I'm going to get through this and maybe, you know, just move on with coaching. I went up there to do my talk on that day, took my time, connected, and I shared, you know, who am I? And I wound up getting a standing ovation and all of these amazing compliments. And that was- Wait, You did or God did? God, 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 <laughs> God, God in me, standing ovation. And, and I was like, okay, well- clearly I can speak. And so I never went back, but I decided that day I am that because I recognized that I was that. And I recognized that what was happening is that I was speaking from my heart. So I was speaking to people's hearts. I was speaking, I was connected to spirit. So I was speaking to people's spirits and activating something inside of them more so than what I was saying. That was the revelation that I had in that, in an, almost like in a moment. And so when people were saying all these nice things to me, I, I was like, what happened here? What's happening? And that was what I realized. And just on a basic level that like people just want to be themselves and feel free to be themselves and feel good about it. So, and because I was willing to do that, to bear my heart, to bear my soul in that way and to show up that that's what was moving people. That's why they were like saying, wow, oh my God, you know, all these nice things to me. And, and then I realized I was like, oh, well, I am that. Like that, that's not something I have to try to do. So then when I said I am that in a practical sense of I'm a speaker now, I'm gonna 
enter the world as a speaker, I already started off with that revelation and that recognition. So I didn't spend years trying to learn how to become something that I was. I just kept honing in on the essence of what I was. And that's how I started speaking. Would you say that that's how you live life now? Every time you're stepping into a new growth edge that you just are that or you become that? Is there a you're like, where are you right now? You know, what's your growth edge right now? Let's just kind of bring it in there. What does it feel? Does it feel like you just, I am, or are you kind of on the cusp of a becoming? It's both, you know, it's both. It's both. And, and that makes sense inside me completely. You know, it's like operating in this world, but not of this world or operating through the unfolding journey of time, but by way of the timeless, you know, so it's, it's, it's both. I look at the relative nature of time and space and evolution and my own evolution as it's manifesting here on earth through my sharing and through the things that I'm up to. And also I'm very much rooted in like inside of me in the deepest place rooted in who and what I am. Mm-hmm. And so, and so it's both. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, when I, I'm listening to you and you, you mentioned you had a few mini deaths or you know, deaths and rebirths. And I think about some of like the cataclysmic deaths and births in my life and the definitely sitting right here is the path of the wounded healer. I mean, that that was my past, right? And so, and and that was a long, long journey. So do, do you resonate with that? Do you, is that even part of your story of your past, Path of the Wounded Healer? Not really. Maybe some similarities, but not really, which I, which I find interesting sometimes. It's like, huh, you know, just because like synchronicity and what I'm attracted to, who I'm attracted to, who's attracted to me, you know, it, it is interesting that that's not been a big part of my path. I don't know exactly the what what it means to you, but when you say it, I'm like, not not really. Yeah, the path of really needing to do. I mean, we all like because you said you didn't. Well, maybe you came in like this, so <laughs> or it's different. But the path of doing that, like really finding yourself in the dark night of the soul more times than you can count, and doing the deepest soul work and and the lineage clearing and the you know total. Yeah, yeah. And I guess this is what I mean by yes and no, because it's it's yes, maybe it's the way my path has unfolded. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's so many things because I said I had several death and rebirths, like and, and that's one of the ways that I transcended death, the illusion of death, you know, and all all of its forms, all of its earthly manifestations, you know, rejection, abandonment, you know, judgment. You know, I've been through this. I think that. It's just not as in a traditional, traditional meaning like, you know, as a seeker who seeks knowledge and understands, oh, this is the dark night of the soul. And then, you know, this is lineage clearing and heal. I didn't, that's not how I came into this, but it doesn't mean that I wasn't on an energetic, emotional soul level doing that work. It's just, I was guided mainly by, by life, by God, by my soul, by, you know what I mean? And that, that's. I think that that's also one of my pieces of the puzzle or it it brings something to what I offer that it happened that way. You know, so yeah. when I, when so I speak you- about things that are like that could be considered out there or woo woo, I think that because of the way it unfolded for me, maybe it also brings a kind of groundedness to it because mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not I didn't read this somewhere. You know what I mean? Like it, maybe I or maybe I read it somewhere but I experienced it. And so when I speak with a level of clarity and precision, it's, but yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah, Can I just share? So what I'm, what I feel like I'm, I'm hearing you and I sense from you is that when you were in those moments of transitioning through that next awakening, it it was the, how you came to it and the, how you navigated it. Right. Versus when I say the path of the wounded healer, that's a big generalization. Yeah. Like tending to refer to having to really suffer, like really suffer, you know, and maybe that's a pattern that one would have to clear because that is just how, how it unfolded in the lineage or their own programming and their own traumas as a child or something. But then, you know, and transcending it that way versus perhaps it sounds like you navigated it in a way that was like, Maybe it wasn't easy. Maybe it wasn't, you know, pretty. Yeah, I, guess, I guess, I guess that's what I'm saying is I've had my own challenges and that's the similarity, but it's, it's interesting because we can't really compare suffering because it's, you know what I mean? It's such a, it's like, and I think that gets us in trouble when we try to, to like look through a lens of like, 
I, I give you a personal example of that. So I transitioned out of a relationship a couple months ago and I like, I'm doing amazing and have been for, you know, a minute now. Right. And my now ex partner and even a couple of close friends were having like just really intimate, very well-meaning heart centered type of conversation with me. And there was an assumption, I don't know if I call it an assumption, there was this thing about time, like how much time, like this perception of me, oh, wow, he bounced back so quickly. Hmm. So that means, and, you know, and I, and I, I listened to her and I was with her in that because there was a kind of, that was one pain point, like, oh, wow, you seem to have moved on, right? And one of the things I shared with her, and I don't want to get too much into that because that's not the, 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 the point. The point is that, and I shared this with her, I said, you know, you're looking at me through your own suffering and your own process. So you're not actually look, able to perceive how, how has my process unfolded? You know, maybe you get what I'm saying? It's like if you're viewing it through a particular lens, then maybe it's not, you're not able to feel what does my version of the suffering or, or the, the, the challenge or the, the healing look like, you, you know what I mean? And it's, it's like, that's where we're all the same. Like pain is pain, suffering, suffering. Even if you look on the, on the surface and go, Oh, but these life situations, one's more intense than the other is like, okay, but that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about like, how is the being experiencing what they're experiencing? What does it mean to them? It's such a personal thing that I think it's great to kind of really look at. And that's why when we're connected in the heart and when we can really truly empathize and be commune with someone, then we can truly see where we're the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. You, you could argue like, oh, well, that's more intense than this. And it's like, and I think maybe there's some relevance or useful to thatness to that sometimes, but I also think it can be very much perpetuate the illusion of separation and have us lack empathy or or eat, whether for someone else or even be like, oh, this is just my my little old thing, but somebody else over there is. I, I don't know. I think that's problematic when we or it can be when we look at things that way. That brings up the the projection projection that you ought to be having a certain experience or this is how it's supposed to be. Right. That's that feels when you were speaking that it feels like such a holographic frequency that is vibrating on this planet right now. These projections of how you should be here, you know, totally. Yeah, I, I was I was not that I needed to, but I was explaining it to a close friend of mine yesterday who came over here because he just found out that we transitioned these friends with my ex partner. And I said, you know, yes, I have healed, expanded. I feel very empowered in a, in a short period of time. And if I were to kind of explain how that's possible or why that is, I'm like, I'm also incredibly compassionate. I also, I don't, I don't carry a lot of extra sauce, extra weight around feeling, meaning like I shouldn't feel this way. I'm judging my, you know what I'm saying? So I'm very like that collapses time is what I'm saying. Cause a lot of the time in a process of healing, is not just the core of what's happening. It's all the layers on top of it, the story that we're making up, the judgment that we have, the fear that we have, the resistance that we have around the feeling. And so to me, that's one very kind of free-flowing explanation of why there's a lot of speed or acceleration in my world and also grace is because of my level of embrace. And that has been cultivated over years. My ability to surrender, my ability to feel without creating a story or, or just hyper analyzing myself or judging myself or, you know what I mean, to just feel. And so anybody who does that is going to experience some type of a more accelerated cycle of transformation, a more accelerated cycle of, of healing, you know. And I also listen. I listen deeply and, and quickly. And so that's another reason why it would explain there's not as many like dramatic come out of left field, like energy like that in my life, because that 
that's just to me an indicator that we haven't been listening. And so the small things that might get overlooked or might kind of get pushed to the background until there's enough momentum and then someone pays attention, I tend to pay attention to the whispers before they become screams. And I tend to treat the whispers as if they were screams, meaning in their in their importance. And so that's another, so by time I'm like in a moment, like it's not, it's not like all of this backed up stuff is coming to the forefront. So you know, there's a certain measure of grace in my process for that reason. And I think that probably the most significant thing is just love. It's just love. Like I, I have that as a priority. And and that's, I guess that's what I'm describing when I say you trim off the judgment, trim off, then it's like, so if I'm feeling a certain way, I'm not inclined to be as mental with it because sometimes we're overly mental because we're in resistance. So it's just like, I can just be with myself. Can you go into that a little bit more? Because that is not common, right? Most people are in judgment. Most people are in story. Most people aren't even aware that they are, that we are, right? So break it down a little bit, if you would, about, you know, when you catch yourself, maybe not being in that. And like, are those moments where you actually go there and then come back? Cause you see it. Yeah. You know, one of the, one of the things that I learned about judgment, first of all, it like innately feels off, like in our body and our, like we, we know something feels gritty about it. It just feels off. And then if we have spiritual knowledge then we also understand that it is, but we can also feel it. Right. I think when I really got a momentum and got into a kind of just really empowered within that was when I realized that I also shouldn't judge myself for judging that that took it all the way home. Right. And I'm remembering a while back during this period of time where I was having these awakenings and I was like on this more conscious path. Now, another significant thing I realized was this whole people pleasing thing. I realized that almost everybody does it. And so it almost, it seems like it's normal. Right. And I don't mean people pleasing, like being caring, loving, and trying to be harmonious and kind. I mean, people pleasing like low key or not low key, trying to seek love and approval from other people and then altering our behavior, maneuvering our being and ourself in order to try to please somebody or connect with somebody, which is really an unconscious or conscious way to try to get love, right? Anyway, I realized the insanity of it. Insanity just meaning not, not to judge it, but just to say that it's an impossible thing to ever win. It's like an infinite chess game that you'll never win. No matter how many moves and alterations and many adjustments that you make to try to appear anyway, to be able to be loved or accepted, I realized that, whoa, this thing's bananas. It's, it, I'll never win ever. And even when it appears to win, like, okay, great. I feel good now. You know, Stephanie likes me. This person likes me. I've figured out how to be a good human and to be like, then you'll fail the next day. Or then somebody else will be, nope, nope. And then just constantly, anyway, I'm saying that to say that somewhere within that revelation, which was another significant, I was like, okay, I'm not, I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm, opting out of that. I didn't instantly stop, but I opted out. And I was like, okay. And when I opted out, I didn't even know. I I was kind of in the unknown because I was like, I don't know where this is going to go, but I intuitively know somewhere good. Because I'm like, I just know I don't want to do that. So this phrase came to me out of my soul, like a lot of things just like, or out of from somewhere. I'd rather betray the whole world than betray my own heart. I'd rather betray the world than betray my own soul. And I don't mean betray in a negative sense. I mean, me being my authentic self in my innocence, in my integrity, and someone perceiving, misunderstanding me, getting getting triggered, whatever. That's what I mean by betray. I was like, I'd rather take the risk of feeling that pain of rejection instead of rejecting myself. And that was mm. one. And, and, and that really was a major, another major shift for me. And so while I didn't instantly stop people pleasing, what it did though, is that's the frequency of devotion. Devotion to me is like a transcendent commitment. It's like something you're willing to die for. So not only was I committed to being authentic, I had that at the core. I was like, I'm devoted. Like if I have to die, that's, that's how it felt. Cause I realized that I was slowly dying inwardly by trying to outwardly connect with people and please people in order to How? try to be- but What did it look like? What does that look like when you were actually in the people pleasing example? Examples like of people pleasing, like staying in conversations that I don't really want to be in or staying in them longer or being in conversations where things are being talked about on the surface, but my, you know, my psychic empathetic nature knows that something else is going on underneath the surface, but yet I'm still there and my energy is draining. 
And I'm just like, even if you're just listening, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's people pleasing, right? Because subconsciously or consciously, the thought is, I don't want to come across as if I don't care. I don't want to come, basically, I don't want to get rejected, right? So these are the like little seemingly harmless people pleasing behaviors that I started noticing. So I started going in the other direction towards, towards the pain or the perceived pain, which was I'm going to use my will and my courage and be authentic and speak my truth. I'm going to go now. No, you know what I mean? And started doing that. And that was the act, the, the practical, I guess, picture of, you know, being more in integrity with my heart and with my spirit and also disrupting the pattern of people pleasing, you know, or, or not being so quick to try to explain myself because somebody got triggered and, and they're in fear. And then I'm responding with fear by trying to like, you know, mend, fix the perception and then realizing that I still, I, I would feel, again, it's like the self-betrayal. So it's like the trade-off. And so all kinds of variations and versions of that were part of the dismantling of the people-pleasing program and the awakening of like, okay, what does it feel like to truly speak, live, embody my heart's truth as it's occurring inside me? And I devoted myself to that, which means I was willing to die and willing to die on a, like I said, on a kind of emotional human level just means I'm willing to be uncomfortable. I'm willing to have the awkward moment rather than stay in something and be suffering on the inside or, you know, dying on the inside because I'm, I'm, trying to sustain a false sense of self to try to maintain an image or to try to maintain love and then realizing that this isn't love. I know it's just not, it's not love. It's not working. It's not love. Even when it seems like it's working, it's like, Hey, everything's working. Everybody's happy, you know, but then like my mind's, your mind starts going crazy. Your health eventually starts going bad. Like you're dying inside. So that's has definitely been a catalyst for liberation. I think that everyone listening is really digesting that right now. So I'm going to let let this settle in for everybody because that's huge. That's huge. And it, it's that alone will change somebody's life. So all of us, let's just take an oath of devotion to <laughs> no more people pleasing. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. And the, the de- devotion to me is is really a significant part of what I would invite people into. And here's why, because when people say, if they have the knowledge and understanding already that, okay, here's the downside of people pleasing, and here's the upside of awakening into deeper authenticity, right? The natural question is how, okay, give me the breakdown, give me the how, give me the tools, the techniques, the knowledge, the information, give me the practices, give me, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. And the deeper your devotion is, the more fruitful all of your activity will be. Because the deeper your devotion is, when there's more devotion, there's less negotiation. So it's like you've already given yourself to the process, which means when the uncomfortability, the awkwardness, the challenge comes up, when you're in devotional energy, then yeah, you might stumble, fall, crawl, walk, pause, but you're like, I'm going that way. I'm willing to die in the fire. The fire, I call it the fire of love, the fire of truth, the fire of the authenticity of the moment to liberate myself. And what also happens is that you also liberate yourself from the the, the false falsity of the, of the matrix. Meaning like, and I said this before a few times in the last year, that when you're speaking your heart's truth in in your authentic truth, then you are essentially in harmony with all other beings. You're in harmony with all other hearts. And so the manifestation of someone being triggered or appearing to be, to experience pain in the presence of your truth is an illusion. It's literally an illusion. What you're seeing is you're seeing fear through your fear, right? And this is how we kind of suffocate each other or we stay on this level of consciousness where we're like, and then it reinforces itself. We're like, oh, I was in my innocence. I was in my truth. Oh, I caused pain. I was like, what you're perceiving is not pain. You're perceiving a manifestation of fear. You can't cause pain to a being when you're in your being and no being who's in their power, in their heart is going, they they may disagree with you. They might not even like you, but they won't feel disempowered or feel like you've inflicted pain on them. So this whole facade, it's an illusion that people can't handle our truth. It's the, you know, the only thing that gets burned in the fire of truth is think something that's not true, right? And so there is a kind of, you know, destruction in that sense, but it's only life-giving, you know? And and when we are, when we, what I'm saying is as we awaken to that, we also see the, the matrix becomes more transparent, which also in action looks like compassion. It might look like, 
oh, this person's like, you know, judging me or saying something or reacting to me. And then I can actually feel love for that person because I'm like, oh, I can see right through. I'm like, oh, this person's just hurting. You can't see that when you're in, you can't see that when your your sight is in the matrix of fear and you're only seeing the reflection or reaction to the reaction that's happening in you. You can't actually see. You're not seeing the being. You're not seeing the fundamental what's actually going on inside of someone, you're seeing a manifestation of fear, which is not true sight, really. What I was going to say right before you said that was the the fire of transformation, that tr- fire, uh, walking through that fire. And I'm listening and thinking to have the to have the vision, to be able to see, see through that person, to see what they're really feeling and to know and discern when when you're like, your heart is telling you to, to walk the other way or to excuse yourself or to speak your truth or to be authentic. There is, um, I'm thinking of how that doesn't mean, you know, speaking your truth to the person, like vomiting negativity on them, right? Like, cause that is, that is the kind of, could be a default for someone who's not able to really, who's not at that kind of place in themselves to really come from that pure place of their heart. You know, that delivery is a huge piece of it as well. For sure. And that's why I say heart's truth, you know, and the, the more, and, and look, like, the process of awakening to that might be messy, you know, but trust your heart. If you have a positive intention and forgive, forgive quickly. Because here's the thing, if we start trying to manage that, that's also dangerous because now we're operating on human discernment. And we're like, there's human discernment and divine discernment. If human By human discernment, I just mean that you're looking on the level of perception at, and that's when you start playing life like a chess game. And if you try to be intelligent, even with a good intention, intelligent just meaning I should say this, not say this, maybe I'll say it this way, maybe I'll learn how to deliver things. I think that can take you so far, maybe, because it all depends on your level of consciousness, right? If you're still coming from fear, if you're still in people pleasing, and then you try to, you know, with good intention, try to alter your behavior, your words, you're kind of caught up in the same matrix. So something really has to pop that open. When you're trusting your heart and you're willing to be vulnerable and, and, and open and be right in the fire of truth, then it purifies you in a sense, right? And then your discernment now becomes transcendent it's not it's not only existing within what you can see or even your own belief structure you know it's but but that that's to move into that level of discernment which now love and the intelligence of the love that you are and the intelligence that's inside you is the what's discerning it is the guiding principle you have to be willing to die you have to be willing to be misperceived you have to be you know what I mean? Like what well, they say that phrase tough love. It's like you have to be willing to surrender and give yourself to that at whatever the result is going to be to be in that level of integrity, you know? So it's not, it, I'm not painting it like it's easy per se, or like it's overly simplifying it, but it does get simpler and simpler and simpler because clearer and clearer and clearer that you get. And so, yeah, when I say speak your truth, I don't mean like assert your reality or beat somebody over the head with the truth. You might e- you might even be intuiting something that's true, but if it gets filtered through your ego structure, then now, and you start using it, then you're now, that's not what I mean by speaking your truth. That's why I said your heart's truth. So there is a wisdom that comes, but that w- I'm also saying that wisdom comes with being able to to me, not from trying to perfect yourself and be a master chess player and learn all the best communication things, that can help to a point. The wisdom actually comes from, to me, dying in the fire of love and and being willing to be fearlessly, courageously authentic and true to the moment and do your best with your best intention. That's, That's, to me, is where the purification actually happens. Otherwise, you're just gaining more, being more intelligent. And, and that that could be functional and useful. But from a transformational point of view, Mike, we got to be willing to <laughs> like mm-hmm. go, go there. And, and, and it just becomes more and more clear, or it has for me. And that's, that's what I've noticed, you know, mm. and that's where vulnerability and humility play a strong part, you know, to where you're not asserting your truth and you're, you're willing and to see and, and, and be open and to see another's point of view, you know, yeah. but yeah. without, without 
absorbing another's point of view, which is what happens if we're people pleasing, you know, then we can be compassionate. We, we learn these points of discernment is like compassion doesn't mean agreement, right? Unconditional love. It's like I, I've said before, be unconditional with your love, but be conditional with your time. Like not everyone deserves your time and attention. Not everyone's meant to have your time and attention. That's not, that's not what love means. Love is something that is occurring inside of us. It's how we behold ourselves and behold others. There's these things that I've learned that we learn along the way for, you know, trying to be loving or compassionate and, and like to kind of find this balance point, if you will. So what feels difficult or challenging for you right now? Nothing at the moment in the way you say it. Like, this is a great question to ask because I tend to, especially if I feel how I feel right now, to look for the subtleties at the leading edge because how contrast works. If you go from like, just to look at it energetically, if you go from like anger or frustration and you compare it to joy, the frequency is such a distinct difference that the expansion is obvious, right? But if you're in joy and you're expanding to the next octave, then it's more nuanced, it's more subtle, right? And so I'm not experiencing anything as a, as a, as a deep challenge right now, but I could find a point of challenge. And I would say like within my... I'm so creatively full right now and I'm expressing a lot of that and I'm integrating, you know, so there, there's a, like a, a process happening there. A few weeks ago, my greatest challenge was in the transition of my relationship and doing my best to hold my heart and hold my partner's heart at the same time, given that we're two different human beings and we're no longer together. That, that was the last more palpable sense of a challenge that I remember. And that was just a few weeks ago. And that's coming from like wanting to fully give and receive the love that I am, you know, and also just being in the presence of like the energy of heartbreak and, and giving it space to go through the process that it's meant to and, and, and also doing that with myself at the same time. I found that to be challenging at times, you know, and like if you were to observe me, if you had like a a microscope inside my consciousness and like had hidden cameras everywhere. It goes back to what we were saying earlier, my level of embrace of that, the actual way I relate to challenge also is why I don't suffer. Like, yes. and, like I'm truly, I'm truly not positive thinking. I'm truly reverent for the jewels that are coming out of any process. Like I, mm -hmm. I, I look forward to it. So that takes the resistance off of it. So there's a level of embrace within it that, but that's, yeah, that's, that's the last challenge that I had. And I'm trying to just scan if anything else. Well, I think that another word for, I wasn't listening to you and within, within the octave of joy, for example, that, that example, really it's, it's what's, what's an opportunity that's, that's in your space right now opportunity for you. Co-creation is very alive for me right now. Co-creation is very alive for me right now. Co-creation, collaboration, that's very alive for me right now as an opportunity that I'm seizing. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm in it. So that's one thing. Opportunity for growth. Yeah. Like what's your growth edge? Orin? you are the orator. What is your uh, growth edge? You know, I'm, I'm I'm actively in my growth edge. So I'm experiencing, I guess, if you look at things in cycles in terms of expansion, and then there's like an integration and then being and receiving an expression, I'm in the expression and in the beingness of my growth edge. And so it's a little bit more subtle when I'm on that part of the wave, but just taking it back a chapter, one of the things that was very apparent to me maybe two months ago is I was calling, I call it different things in different contexts. In the context of leadership, I was calling it supernatural leadership. And what that looks like is like my lead as a leader of an authority of whatever gifting I have to offer to the world in any situation, my level of awareness and psychic ability and attunement to the field and how that's translating, how powerfully and potently it's translating itself and expressing itself in moments of contributing to the world has gone to another level. And what helped it go to another level was letting go of needing to explain or, or, or speaking to people needing to understand me in order to receive and then me wanting to feel connection and going through a period of feeling like not fully connected and then just dying into that, right? And what's come out of that or what's coming through that is even more of my 
contribution to the world. It's like spending time with this woman. I can't tell you how many times she's like, how did you know that? But she's in such a state of receptivity and I'm such a, in a state of just giving. Like there, there's a simplification, even more of a penetrating simplicity to what it is that I'm giving that's coming from knowing that's unexplainable. And that has been a growth edge and it's one that I'm in right now. So it's, it's manifesting itself quite fluidly, but it is in my space. So I'm noticing it. I'm like, oh, huh. Oh, interesting. You know, and, and that's, and I can say this to anybody who's psychic, you know, which we all are on some level, right. Or somebody who's really, really, really sensitive and the challenge, it's like the, my version of a challenge that comes with being super sensitive and feeling, feeling like I feel everything and I can feel people's subconscious and being able to powerfully, practically live as a human in this world. And you know what I mean? And the simplicity of like human interaction when I'm having all of this awareness and information pervading my consciousness. Does that make any sense? So that, that, that's where a growth edge has happened. And, and also being like, even within the transition of my relationship, the holding a field of compassion and love and understanding for like my ex-partner or even people that are surrounding our relationship. And at the same time, trusting myself deeply and, and staying true to my, true to myself and being willing to be and act in ways that might be not able to be understood or even kind of sensitive. That's been a growth edge. And so for, I can give you an example, right? This is the last kind of, this is an example within this, because this is in the, within the last few weeks. I basically agreed to do the best in our transition to hold my partner's heart and her likewise, and us just be best support we can to each other in our process of transition and healing and so forth. In the process of doing that, I, out of care and innocence, I agreed energetically to do that, but to try to do that also within a controlled sphere. And, and when, we, when do we try to control? We try to control when we're in fear and when there's sensitivity. And so I innocently did that, which set me up for, to fail ultimately, because I can't, if I bring my care and my love and my execution of that down to a level of I, then for me, because I don't really reside in that place, that's a point that now creates an inner conflict. And now I'm subject to the parameters and perceptions within this is what sensitivity or care could look like. This is what the healing process looks like and more on a human level of navigating that. Does that make sense? And, and that may not be relevant for everybody, but for me, primarily because of where I rest most naturally in within myself is in my devotion to love. And that's what guides me and that's what moves me. And that is transcendent of even my ideas that I have. And so to try to operate within a level of like, I'm going to try to control this. It's kind of like what you said earlier about like not you know, spewing your truth over other people and having that kind of, because my, I purified myself and my heart and my intentions are pure. I don't need that type of regulation. In fact, it actually, it actually contracts, it contracts me. Whereas maybe earlier in my evolution, I would need more of that kind of check myself, check myself because I'm coming into greater integrity with myself. And so I was, does that, I'm trying to that explain makes sense. Very, and, mm-hmm. and that, that was, that was challenging. And so I liberated myself from that by, you know, expressing more from this place of surrendered, just knowing of, okay, this is who I will be for you in, in this process. So that, that was a growth edge. And I try to express that without getting too much into the nitty gritty details. But like, like basically when I had the first agreement, when we were like to hold each other in a certain way, then I did something I posted something that didn't fit that or that was interpreted as, oh, well, that's not fitting this. And then I realized that, okay, I see, I see that. And I realized that I was in an agreement of trying, trying to uphold and fulfill something that ultimately I can't because there's also fear in it, which is natural when we're, you know, going through heartbreak or like deep pain you know, for most of us, 
fear comes up. That's why we contract. It's like, oh, I don't want to feel that. And so whatever that is in us that then tries to consciously or unconsciously manage the pain or manage what we're feeling or kind of like, it's like survival instinct. Yeah, I, I don't, I do my best not to operate like that. And if I do, I, I love myself in that. So, so I know it's not even like, it's not even like I'm trying, to, I'm just saying, I know who I am. And I yeah. know, what, and, I, and, I, and I know that for others as well. So it's that balance of like, truth and compassion, right? Truth and love. The love is the unconditional acceptance of all the truth is the clarity of this is who you are. This is who I am. This is what's true. And so I have the space and the awareness and the wherewithal to use my will and my courage and in the unconditional love and point it at what's true. Yeah. So first, I want to honor you for sharing. This is very helpful, I'm sure, to a lot of people. It's beautiful and helpful to me to hear. So thank you. And, you know, just sending your ex-partner all the blessings in the world as well. And just being in this space. And what you're saying is probably really, really important for a lot of people to hear right now in the individual personal relational level. And at the larger level, I'm just looking at the time. And I know you, you're starting your day over there in Kauai. So I just want to ask you one more, one more thing you might want to share about how do you feel like this beautiful offering, this devotional place of speaking from your truth, how can people, because people are so divided right now, how do, how do we use that as a tool just in the, in the larger, the larger uh, landscape of what's happening in the world right now? I mean, it begins with ourselves, right? And the willingness to be transparent with ourselves and to be more loving to ourselves. And then it extends out to the degree that we're doing that, then we're able to do it with everyone else to a greater degree. And I don't know, there's just, there's a, there's a, I feel an urgency, not emergency, but an urgency and a really deep invitation to move deeper into that fire that I'm describing, you know, into that vulnerability with ourselves and one another, because that, that's what ultimately kind of dissolves the veils and the illusion of separation that are creating a lot of the challenges in, in within ourselves, within our own body, within our own relationships and within the world. It's just like, you know, it's like the macro and the micro. And that's, it just feels really timely at this time for us to lean in to and apply our courage to what it is that we feel in our heart and what it is that we know deep in our heart. Really, really our courage, put our courage and our will in service to the heart right now. And on a, on a relational level, it looks like, like what I just described, like just having, you know, a, a deep, intimate, sensitive conversation with compassion and love with somebody that I deeply care about. But you see that that is no different than like relating to the world. And I think that the more we're devoted to being that way in every area of our life, and if you want to look at it kind of systematically, like that's how I look at it. It's like, what area or part of my life do I not have the same level of devotion to things that I know to be true, things that I, I deeply value? That's one of the ways to create more unity and integration versus separation is to start looking at the areas of our life. Like, oh, am I more authentic over here in this area than in this area? You know, investigate that, adjust that. You know, where am I applying this principle here, but not over here? Like leaning into that. And I, I feel like going on the grand scale that that development of deeper compassion and empathy and ability to see ultimately allows us to see the bigger challenges and the more on a, on a world scale to be more intelligent and equipped to meet life and the biggest challenges that we face collectively with all of our power rather than a fraction of our power, right? And to ac access all of our power. One of the main things, themes I'm seeing throughout even this conversation is as we open our hearts more, then now we're not only bound by our own knowledge and what we can see and try to control to try to solve our grandest problems, but we have infinite intelligence accessible and flowing through us. So that, that feels like very timely right now. And, and there's an urgency there. So on that's what the individual can do is move deeper into this space within ourselves, within our relationships. And, and start to look at all of our relationships with all the people in our life through the same lens of like, how are you choosing to show up? Who do you want to be in the world? Not just here, but not here, but just period, you know, and really, and really taking that on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. I think, 
I know that I'm taking away a lot of nuggets from this conversation. I know that all the listeners are as well. So thank you for your time and for being you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I've enjoyed being being with you and being in this conversation. I appreciate you. I appreciate you, Warren. Yeah, thank you for 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 reaching out and like I know we've known each other for a little while. And, you know, even something as simple as reaching out based upon something you feel in your heart or your intuition and in your spirit is also a significant and simple action that anyone can take that to me in a bigger scale is representative of the next now stage of our evolution. And that's mm-hmm. an operating system I'm talking about to move into deeper trust and allow ourselves to be more guided by the intelligence inside and the willingness then to act on it is, is awesome. Mm-hmm. Even if it's something big, scary, like bizarre, but if you feel that feeling, that resonance from your, in your soul, in your gut that, you know, and just take action. Yeah. yeah. That feeling coupled with your heart, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so thank you for taking action and reaching out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I've enjoyed it. Okay. And I'll share it in the, and I'll share in the show notes where people can find more out about you and where to follow you and, Take in all of your daily wisdom nuggets and uh, and reach out to you. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Catalyst Talks. Stay tuned for what's up next and please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. You'll find those links at catalysttalks.com. Join us. We continue this conversation on social media. And if you'd like to reach out to me privately, you can send me a message at stephanietrager.com. Your attention here means the world to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.